up, bitches! Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Yes, of From course. the east. Well, I guess, yeah, the east side. The east side, I'm sure you get this a lot, east side, west side. Like, when you talk about it, people are, it's it's worlds away, but it's about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, and so I've actually, I have some coworkers who live in different parts of the U.S. and in Canada, and I've tried to explain to them the divide amongst the east side and the west side, and they look at me like I have 12 heads. And I'm like, no, but it really, like, I, when I was a kid, Growing up as an East Sider, I didn't really go to the West Side. No, I mean, even though don't. like I was in Little Italy, I wasn't that far away. You just like you know, you pass some hospitals and like you're there. I really, really didn't. And the only thing like hypothesis that I can think of, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but on the East Side there's like a lot of Irish and Italians and Jewish people, and then mm. on the West Side there's a lot of german eastern european and greeks so there like is. if you pay attention to like the different churches like there's like a, it's like a vast difference like there's a lot of more like orthodox church churches on the west side and then like on the east side more roman catholic so i'm like was this just like an immigrant issue and that's why they made it such a huge like difference i don't, I don't know i don't know i can even just in the last five years on the east side like we have well i mean lakewood's a great example mm -hmm. lakewood has i mean we have you know Mexican, Indian, right. Asian, Russian, Ukrainian. I mean, th there's yeah. a lot, a lot, Middle Eastern. There's so many different types of just like people, restaurants, shops, right. everything. I mean, like within two miles of where you and I are sitting, yeah. those are all available options. Yeah. So I don't know, but uh, I will say this. Yes, I think from an Italian standpoint, yeah. we don't have much of that. We do have some that are good, like Molto Bene down the street, I really, mm. really like. I think that place is good. Um, I like Peppers, that's kind of like a no frills, just regular oh, okay. pasta place, which I do like. Nice. But I'm also not Italian, so, right. you know, I've been to Olive Garden. So. I, I was about to say, please don't say the Olive Garden, okay. <laughs> oh no, I know it's not good. Like, you know, I, but but for me, like, you know, that is, but yeah, yeah. obviously when I go down to Little Italy, I'm like, oh yeah, this is. yeah. I would say Molto Bene is, is up there because that is, you know, that that's just Italian people. Right. Um, but yeah, but if someone were to say something about like, you know, if someone were to make like a, a shepherd's pie and they meant it, I'm like, that's not a, you're wrong. Yeah. Like, you better get that right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I appreciate you coming and I appreciate the the trek. I do, I do know what you mean. Like, I've had arguments with people about that because it's not far and I like the east side. There's stuff over there I like, but yeah. if you were to ask me like on Sunday... Like, hey, do you want to head over to the east side? I'm like, oh, I, uh, what I are know. we going to do with the kid? Well, I, I mean, do we? Yeah. I mean, I'll gas up the car. Like, I think I it's know. so far. I know. I mean, and, or like, I even remember growing up as a kid, there was one kid that I went to school with, and he would say, like, oh, yeah, every summer I go to vacation and I go to Akron. And I don't know where we think of, like, That's these places. Oh, oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. But I mean, it's like some, Stop like. Before you finish that, I didn't know what you were going to no, say. No, no, no. Like, but I was just like, <laughs> we have these, like, concepts of, like, some of these, like, mythical faraway places that are not actually that far away and i don't know i mean like i said growing up in little italy everywhere that i had to go was in a, within a 15 minute radius it's so perfect, like yeah. anything apart from that i'm like oh this is going to be a whole day thing like i think it's, it's a convenience thing. yeah i do because i'm in the in a similar boat for where i am right now 
downtown Tremont, Ohio City, yeah. Gordon Square, Hingetown, mm-hmm. all these places that I, I really like, they're like 10 minutes away. Right. So if you start asking me to do something beyond that 10-minute radius <laughs> that I've described, yeah. I'm going to be like, what? You think I'm made of money? Yeah. Like, how am I going to get there? Like, I'm going to have to pack snacks in the car. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to get my affairs in order. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I really, I view it that way. Yeah. So. Well, uh, Michelle Sabato. Yes. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you for walking me through your last name. Before I do, I've butchered so many that I should have gotten. It's totally fine, actually. So you mentioned about shepherd's pie. So you're Irish, correct? Yes. Okay. So I went to an all Irish Catholic grade school, and Same. I yeah. was kind of picked on because I was like one of the Italian kids. So one day I decided to come up with this fabulous, what I thought was fabulous, was a lie. And said, no, I'm actually Irish. I'm dark Irish. The person at Ellis Island was dyslexic and got my name wrong. My real last name is O'Sabbit, but they put the O at the end. And I was so like, that's, that's actually kind of good smart. because you went, you, that, that was a good, because <laughs> the lie, you threw in so many things that most younger people are going to be like, I'm not smart enough to combat that. So I'm just going to agree with it. it, it exactly. Ellis yeah. Island, most people think that is on the east side. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I was lucky <laughs> enough. I had a very, very Irish aunt um, growing up. So like sometimes when I was having some issues, she would just tell me some things to say that I will not repeat because I don't want anyone coming for me. But like she told me some like really great comebacks that just stunned my peers so I was just like you know like I, I, I got I got this but I, I as I grew up I really learned to um, appreciate a lot of Irish writers and you know like just the actors and all kind of stuff so it, it's it's like I'm not Irish but it, I'm very familiar with it so I culture. feel somewhat racist sometimes when I try to distinguish between the Welsh and the Irish <laughs> and the uh, and the Scottish, like all mm. those actors and actors, like he's a Welsh actor. I'm like, well, what does that really mean? <laughs> so he's Irish? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I just, I just, I'm like, I don't want to acknowledge, I don't want to go too far. It's like the right. East Side. Like, yeah. w- like Welsh acting is too far away from me. So I just, you know, I'm like, oh, he's Irish. Yeah. Like, no, Welsh. Like, yeah. Irish. <laughs> just as long as he's not English, then we're fine. Yeah, exactly. Like, everything's good. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, as, and I've always been fascinated by this, but we don't see this going the other way very much. And mm. maybe you can think of some examples. So. Uh, Americans doing English accents in movies. Yes. I see the reverse of that all the time. Yes. But I can't think Robert Downey Jr. and Sherlock Holmes is the only one that I can think of. And he's real. Guy Ritchie, I remember, was just like, dude, he nails it. And if I didn't know who that was, I'd be like, that's pretty good. But did you hear this recently? And I was stunned by this. So he actually did a table read. It wasn't like he was going to be cast in this film, but he did a table read for the movie The Holiday. Uh, with Kate Winslet. It was that rom-com with uh, Jack Jude Black Law. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So he did a table read and Kate Winslet said he had the worst English accent she had ever heard. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I grew up watching the movie Chaplin. It's what made me want to be an actor. How dare you, Kate Winslet? I love you, but you're wrong. Um, but yeah, no, I think I, I heard a couple of dialect people um, explain it this way is that in America, because our country is so large and we don't really have that many differing um, different accents. So, I mean, like, you know, yeah, we have some, like, little changes here and there, but, like, okay, you have different southern accents, you have different northern accents, you have different coastal accents. Where in England, it's such a small area, and they have so many fundamentally different accents that I think they're just used to being able to, like, pick up different quirks. Mm. And I think that's why they might just be better at accents. I don't want to put it that, like, all British actors are better than american because i don't i don't believe that but i do think that they they have a better knack for accents 
than we do sometimes. I feel like, I feel like uh, if you're a casting director or producer and you're just like, there's enough British actors. Do I just want to grab one of them as far as trying to watch one of these fucking Americans try to fumble through this? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's the case because, you know, the British actors have infiltrated our shores. They all, yeah, they uh, said There's a lot yeah. of them. But yeah. I can't, honestly, outside of Robert Downey Jr., I can't think of one. Male or female. I can't think of one that's done that. I'm thinking of all of the bad ones, and I don't want to mention Oh, tell me the bad ones. I love the bad ones. uh, Oh, I have bad ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot, but I don't know why. I I know we're talking about British accents, but my brain instantly went to Irish, and I was just thinking of Julia Roberts and Michael Uh, Collins, and then Tom Cruise and Far and Away. His is horrible. So bad. But I quote it, like, I quote that movie all of the time. And it's just really sad and pathetic. But I mean, like, even when Nicole, even Nicole Kidman, who she's Australian, where you think, like, okay, it's a different accent, but, like, it's closer-ish, maybe. Like, you could get into it. And she's just like, oh, Joseph. And I'm like, okay, I don't think they talk like that. And I'm, like, eight years old, and I could pick that up. I don't know if they got away with that, because they're like, well, it's also, you know, a couple hundred years ago, so we really can't. But no, I remember watching Far and Away, and he's like, we're not in Ireland no more. I'm like, fuck, even as a kid, I was like, that's terrible. I know. Tell me you like my hat, Shannon. And I'm like, okay. like, uh, uh, What movie could you have done other than this? I know. Like, I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) What was the... I'm not even sure if it was an actual accent. Well, I know it was was an accent but i don't know if you ever saw gatsby the movie with leonardo dicaprio i thought it was trash team robert redford team okay i'm just i I can't i (laughs) absolutely hated the movie i thought Mm. it was so dumb and i could not place what accent leonardo dicaprio was attempting to do which almost like it faded in and out like yeah he's like what's up old sport i'm like what i don't what is that i don't Either way, that didn't help the movie, but I also thought the movie was stupid. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I, not against remakes in general. It's just like you have to be... You, you have, have to nail do, it. Yeah, you have to nail it, but you also have to do this fine line of honoring the original while also doing something innovative, but Completely not like... Completely agree. But not insane, you know what I mean? So, like, there's been, like, some of those, um, you know, iterations of... Like, some Shakespeare pieces, like, Ten Things I Hate About You. Okay, well, like, that was based off of a Shakespeare play, but then, like, it was completely modernized, and it wasn't like they were trying to replicate it exactly, so that I don't mind. But, like, these straight-up remakes that are just, oh, we're just going to put it into 2024, it's like, but... They can sometimes... I think they they have better success getting away with that with horror movies. Um, But even then, I'm not as... They're all still just inferior... Yeah. I mean, there's a, I can think of a couple where I thought that they were, and it's funny because one's an Irish actor. Mm. Uh, the, the remake of Fright Night with Colin Farrell was, I thought, quite good. Okay. And I love Fright Night. You just made me insanely happy, and I was going to try to do my best to avoid speaking about this. But I, every time I talk about anything, somehow Colin Farrell's eyebrows get brought up. They're unkempt and, and wild like I'm the spirit. I'm just yes. like, I, I've loved him since I was 16 years old. And I just, I know he was like, you know, people didn't like him for a good span of time, but I was always rooting for him because I felt like he was the underdog. And then like some of these movies that have come out recently, like Banshees of Inisherin, The Lobster, I'm like, okay, you are amazing. That movie, while I know that it was a cult classic, the original, and you know, it was this whole thing. I really, I I enjoyed it. it. I enjoyed it. And Tony Collette is in it as well, and she's amazing. So, I mean, like, just. Tony Collette's one of those. I'll watch pretty much anything she's in. Yeah. No matter what it is. Also, they did pay homage to the original because. Yeah, he was in it. He was. uh, Chris Sarandon Sarandon was in it. Mm -hmm. He was the uh, the guy in the quick little cameo, uh, but Colin Farrell killed him. Yes. Yeah, it was. But I thought it was really, really good. 
Um, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty hard on especially horror movies. I am a horror movie fan. Got it. But uh, like, uh, I mean, this ritter, this new iteration of these Halloween movies are so off the charts bad. I'm really, it really like upsets me. <laughs> yeah. I really, I thought Halloween Ends might be one of the worst movies I've seen in a decade. It was so bad. Wait, did I don't? Now I'm trying to think. Wait, did I see that or not? Or you know if what? If you didn't, I think, it's not. A, okay, it's, you're fine. Okay, because yeah, I mean, I really, really did love the you know the the classic you know the couple for the first ones, and I even like you know like Halloween H two O. I like that one as well. That came out in like what the late nineties, early two thousands. Early two thousands. Yeah. Um. So I'm friends with a lot of people who are into like the indie horror film scene, mm-hmm. and I've went to like Cinema Wastelands where I just like stick out like a sore thumb because I'm like rolling up there in like glitter and argyle sweaters. Like I, I, it, it's very apparent that I do not belong there. But I was super happy one time just like eavesdropping in on a conversation where they were talking about horror films and they were saying, you know, like the scariest like jump scare of all time. And I whispered to myself, Exorcist Three. And somebody turned and they were just like, oh, yes. And, I, and then I finally felt like I belonged. I mean, there's some, I could hang with that crowd. I, I definitely cannot. Horror movies know. are different. It, it's a movie, but there's movie buffs and there's horror movie buffs. Right, yes. Like, they're not the same. No. They're, they're not. Like, because you, for the most part, I think both appreciate both. Yes. Like, uh, somebody that is really into film, film critic, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. they're aware of, like, the really, really good ones and can appreciate ones and they can name underdog ones. But, right. I mean, when you're talking about somebody that is a horror movie, in the horror movie scene, uh, like, uh, Laura Wimbells comes to mind. Like, she's mm-hmm. very much like that. Um but that's just different. Like that's an encyclopedia of a genre that goes very, very deep. Because then you're getting into, you know, Italian horror and yes. French, which is significantly more gory, even modern day. But this, yeah. even in the '80s, Italian horror was much more gory. But yeah, like that's, and I get in arguments with people about that because the other thing, in my opinion, the horror movie crowd does give a lot more leniency to shitty horror movies. Yeah. Um, I think because uh, I've I've dogged Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends relentlessly and they're just like well hold on i'm like fuck you that is a horrible movie man yeah. it's just bad or what was the controversy that came out a couple of years ago with that movie with uh justin long what was it T- tusk oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah and that would, it turned into like a firestorm of people like threatening people's lives yeah, over it crazy. and i'm like okay you need to it's okay i get it we love it it's art yeah. but calm down yeah like it's just it's too much but i actually would suggest um another person for you to talk to is my really good friend uh zach shield He's a local um, director. He do, he just does a bunch of stuff. But he's like a, like a horror guru. So you guys could have like your horror episodes where hey. you're just like breaking down movies. Great. He's hey, amazing. Give me his name. Give me yeah. his info when we're done. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm already comfortable enough with you where I <laughs> very much approve your <laughs> your reference. That's, a, that's how I get a lot of people nowadays. Yeah. Is, I mean, because again, you, like I'm honestly not in your scene, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know a lot of actors, actors outside of the few people that we name like Mike, but right. I mean, I get rough cause you know, people that I don't know, but yeah. like, but this would be a really good one to talk to. Yes. I love that portion of it. Yeah. I really, really do. Mm-hmm. So I do want to, um, cause I'll just talk movies forever. Yeah, uh, I'm that, sorry. That's fine I will, that's but totally I do want to talk a little bit. So I want to talk about like your background. So I know, okay. you know, you're, Act, well, well, I mean, you just named a couple of things, like obviously act, actress mm-hmm. and voiceover, but also writing and directing. So yeah. where I assume the acting started first. 
Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. So basically, I started acting. I started doing theater as a kid, and then I did it through high school and college, and I kind of uh, co-ran my college theater group. And then I, that was the first time I directed as well. I directed um, a couple plays there. And then within a month after, or no, a couple months after graduating, I continued on uh, different private acting classes. Um, and was really, I studied, I studied the Meisner, um, technique of acting. And during that time I got in with some talent agencies and started doing like more commercial work, um, and more on camera work. And then that's kind of where I met my group of different weirdos in the indie film scene and started making some indie films. Um, but that entire time I was writing. So ever since I was a kid, I, you know, just like keep a journal and I would write these different stories and, um, it's only been in the past couple of years that I actually realized I always thought that I was just an actor who liked writing, but I've really come to understand more that I am an, a writer who just also happens to really love acting just because of the way that I see the world and just I've, I've constantly had these stories running through my mind. Um, but I mean, acting will always be a, a part of me, um, but I just realized that the life that it took to be an actor was not something that was going to work for me. So I need some kind of... Explain how. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So like I need some kind of stability. And so seeing a lot of my friends who were like not able to pay rent because they didn't have full-time jobs or like wouldn't eat for a couple of days because they didn't have full-time jobs just so that they could go on auditions for commercials and industrials. Like that life would give me so much anxiety. So I'm like, okay, well, I need a full-time job. But then how am I going to pursue this fully? And so I kind of had like a come to Jesus moment. Okay, like, what do you want to do? Like, what are you meant to be doing? And so that's when I really started picking up doing a lot more voiceover work because it was something that I could control. Like I could, you know, do auditions at home. Um, I could go into a studio when I needed to after work. And that's where I really felt like I was able to be a writer because I could do that at any time where I could be an actor because I could do a lot of this voiceover work. And then if I get a part here or there, if I book something with my agent, like, okay, good, then I'll just take vacation days to get that done or Mm -hmm. do it on the weekend. But to just have that constant hustle of like the unknown, while I respect it and I wish I was like that, I just had to realize that that wasn't in the fabric of my being. And it was hard. I mean, it was like the biggest breakup. I like felt like I was having like a breakdown realizing that because I felt like everything that I thought my life would be like all of a sudden wasn't. Um, but I'm still doing it in, in, a, in, in a different way that makes more sense to me. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, I understand that mentality. I do uh, of, you know, not realizing, but almost coming to terms with, okay, I love doing this. I truly, truly do. I want to keep doing it. But I also can't just be, you know, living in like a, a one bedroom shack, you know, struggling or dodging my landlord, you know, whatever yeah. stereotype of a starving artist that yeah. you have in your mind, mm-hmm. because it's not, I don't think anyone should do that. I, I don't. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people still do it and yeah. people will do it tomorrow right. and in a week and in a year, because mm-hmm. I think some of them think that that's part of the journey. And maybe it is for some people, you know, but I'm also not built that way. Like I, I have too much. I'm just too scared and have too much anxiety of, you know, I can't be like, if this happens, this happens. I'm like, well, what's going to happen tomorrow, though? Right. You know, I, I, I have that. So, but I also think nowadays, I think you can do, you know, maybe if you were like an actor in like the, the 80s, 
I yeah. get that because you, you're like, I got to go into New York. I have to be in L.A. That was it. Right. You know, but now I don't think, you know, for everyone, music, you know, comedy, you know, podcasting, whatever. Like you don't need to be in a huge market necessarily yeah. to to do some of the things that you want to do. Or even if you are in a huge market, like, you know, the the. I don't want to say the good thing about COVID, but I mean, one of the good things is that a lot of people are working remote now. And so mm -hmm. I've been working remote since the beginning of COVID. Same. So it makes it a little bit easier to have a little bit more of a flexible schedule. Like you could still get your work done, but like, you know, it's not like you're tied to the desk from nine to five, although that those are the hours that I work. Sure. But still, I mean, like you could still, you know, move some things around. So, I mean, I do think that that has opened up and I've Definitely, you know, like this year, it's like my goal to, you know, get new headshots and, you know, do new demo reels and do that just to have everything freshened up. Um, and it, 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 but like I said, it was disheartening to come to that realization when you're seeing some of your peers just killing it because they were able to do that and realizing, okay, well, I'm not. So like, what's wrong with me? Do I not love this? You know, what am I, what am I a freak? You know, like just kind of going through all of those things. And just kind of coming to terms with it. So I, I'm really appreciative for voiceover work because it has, I feel like if I wasn't doing anything acting related or creative, I would just cease to exist. <laughs> I completely agree with that. I mean, that that's a, I mean, I, I already know that I am not someone that can do that either. And I'm not saying that, I mean, most of my day is, is pretty structured in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, Obviously, working, getting up, hanging yeah. out with my kid, which I love. Yeah. I don't view that as a problem, you know, right. at all. And I'm working so I can help provide for him. But yeah. I also still all, always, I do and will always probably have something where I'm like, I need to have a, a project. It doesn't have to yeah. be a lot. I don't have to be working on, you know, writing a novel or something like that. But I do need something where I feel like I'm, I'm doing something else, or, or, or not even necessarily having my own time, but I'm just I'm doing something other than the same three things every single day. It, yeah, exactly. And I actually am writing a book. <laughs> You're like, I well, don't have to be right. I was I'm saying like, that like, as, I yeah. mean, I can barely read, let alone write a book. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> like you are equipped to do that. I am uh, not. Yeah, I, I'm I still think not so. entirely sure. You know, like your and your. You know, I'm still confused. Well, what is so. that quote from New Girl where Nick says, like, I'm not sure that I actually learned to read. I think I just memorized a lot of words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are some frighteningly amazing, amazing lines in that show from Nick and from Winston and just so many funny things. There are some days where I feel like I am the epitome of Nick and Jess's child, but then I'm also just like solely Schmidt's twin. Like, because I just pr mispronounce words all the time for no reason. And then sometimes they do it for like funny effect and it just doesn't land well. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I get mad over like, you know, pleated pants. I don't know. I mean, it's just, but that show was absolutely, I, gosh, I love it so much. I do too. The, the thing about that show that was, as it was called New Girl, I mean, and no disrespect to her, she was like the sixth funniest thing on that show. Yeah, no, true. I mean, she wasn't even close to being one of... Like the the episodes where she was gone, like for oh, yeah. I didn't even notice. Oh, I was, okay. <laughs> and I and I wasn't like I and I do I think she's very funny and talented and, and everything music wise too. I think she's great. Yeah. But that show, I think once those once those characters, you know, Nick and Schmidt mm -hmm. and Winston when they, and Coach when he was on when they started yeah. interacting, like yeah. I mean that was it was just something else. But you know, you know. Jake Johnson's a off the charts talented and funny guy. He's amazing. He really and, is. I, I just mean, watched his uh, a recent one with him. Uh, Oh, I forgot the uh, name. Oh, wait, I know exactly because I watched it too about the, the game show. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh, what's it called? What is it called? 
It was really good. We're gonna have to, oh, it's what terrible. I wanted out of him too. And yeah. I do like Anna Kendrick too. Yes. I yeah, so. no, I love her. And then there was a couple of other people from New Girl that showed up in there, like the weird landlord, like was like the cowboy. Yeah. yeah. No, that yeah. I, I cannot believe I don't remember. Like a the week name ago of it, I watched. I think I yeah, watched it, it last year. It just Saturday. came out. What was yeah. it? Reverence? No, reservations? Oh. Something with an R. I, I'm horrible. We'll figure it out in like two hours after we finish. Lost and I'll just I'll card. message you and be like, I thought of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the um can you also you mentioned the miser? I I think yeah. I know what that I I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. So actually, this is the premise um, of the book that I'm writing. So uh, a month after I graduated high school, I started taking acting lessons with a man named Victor Del Torrio, who he has since passed away. But he was one of the acting teachers for Megan Mullally. So Karen on Will and Grace. Um, and well, he, I watched the Will and Grace episode this morning. Yeah. So he was living in L.A. and he came back to Ohio to take care of um, his father who was ending um, near the end of his life. And so he just picked up taking, you know, doing acting classes like he did out in L.A. And so I saw an ad and I reached out to him and started taking his classes. Had no idea what Meisner was, what it meant. Like I had no idea. Um, so I trained with him for about a year and then after I graduated college, um, I trained with another teacher at a different school. And um, basically, the whole premise of the Meisner method, so there's different, like, you know, I'm a method actor. Like, that has so many different meanings. But um, basically, there was a Russian dude named um, Stanislavski. And then when he brought his method to the United States, kind of branched off into three different forms. So you have Sanford Meisner. So the premise of his technique is just living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. And you do all of these different um, exercises to kind of get you there. And then there was Stella Adler, who she was more um, focused on the text. So like an actor's job really would have come from the writer. Like, you really have to connect to what you're reading, which can work a lot of times, but, like, sometimes it doesn't. Like, I personally really love Shakespeare. There are other people who read it, and they're like, I, what, what the hell am I reading? Yeah. Um, and then you also had Lee Strasberg. So a lot of people would know him the most because he founded what is called the New School. So that's where, remember the show Inside the Actor Studio? Mm -hmm. That was the school that a lot of, like, all of those people were going to. So, like, that's... I never knew where that school yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. So like, that's... your students. I'm like, where the fuck is this? Right, yeah. So that was out of the New School. <laughs> and that's, like, where Brando and Pacino and all, you know, all of those guys yeah. went through. Um, and his was basically what you would equate more with when people say I was method acting, of, like, really, like, living the experience. So, like, there was this whole, like technique that you do that's saying like smell the coffee where you pick up an imaginary cup of coffee but you really have to live back and think about the time that you've smelled coffee so that you could live that experience which is great but like if you're in a play and you're doing you know eight shows a week and in that play you have to experience the death of your father it's going to be very taxing for an actor to have to go on stage every single night and relive the death of their father in order to show that. Whereas with the Meisner method, you do this whole technique where you're basically daydreaming. So you could take the death of your father, but put it in a different circumstance. So it's it's far enough removed from you. So you're not damaging yourself, but you're still eliciting emotions. So yeah, that was, I trained in that for like five and a half years and I ended up teaching it for a little bit of time too. Um, 
So, so like yeah. a memory that takes you back to maybe your father's passing, but maybe not necessarily the day or the funeral or the wake where you're really literally yeah. reliving so, the gutting day. Right. Yeah. So like one of the things that I would do is I, I was very close with my grandfather who passed away when I was 12. And so sometimes when I would have to get into a mood of a death, I would use my grandfather, but I wouldn't use his death. I would have my grandfather like in my head in a scene where I'm going to my grandfather and telling him that like I'm moving across country. And that interaction of the loss of us seeing each other, I used that because that elicited an emotion, but I wasn't using his death. So, like, you, you, bits and pieces. But you also need to, like, really be able to use your imagination. And you do, like, these whole rounds of exercises to get you into using your imagination more, which can be good or which could be bad. Because if you're someone with anxiety like myself – you naturally think of all these disaster scenarios. Like anytime, like I have a flat car. Oh my gosh, my whole car is going to need to get impounded. It's going to cost $50,000. Like, you know, you snowball. So having those kind, like your brain trained that way could be great for acting, but is terrible in an everyday, for every, everyday life. life yeah. And that's kind of what my, my book is about is how the Meisner technique, I kind of go through, like it's an ode to my first teacher, Victor. And but it's going through the, what the technique is, but how it could also just be used as like an everyday good mental health tool. Um, because it, if you're using it for good, it can be good. But if you're allowing to use it for bad, then it's it can be bad. So I've always found that like emotions like that, if you just ignore them and stuff them down and then they'll come <laughs> out maybe once a year. And but that's honestly, that's still yeah. 364 days that are pretty good. Yeah, no, they'll just manifest as like, you know, an ulcer. But other than that, it's fine. <laughs> one ulcer though one ulcer yeah, yeah. i mean you're see so you're multiplying like yeah. i mean pff, yeah. one ulcer they got <laughs> they got antacids for that <laughs> um that i don't know i think when people like myself when yeah. i when i listen to that i think it's it's not necessarily having to go to a place like that mm -hmm. it's then having to act in front of people like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see. Like, because, yeah. you know, we've all seen these. I took acting class. And I took an acting class in college, and I was 15 minutes in, and I was like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't, I understand. I think it's cool. I love yeah. that people can do it. Mm -hmm. Just like artists and really good musicians. Like, I'm amazed, and I, I wish I could, but I can't. But when they're like, all right, now we want you to do this, I'm like, well, I mean, there's people here. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Right. Uh, so is that something that you had to turn off or you were just kind of okay, maybe not completely okay with it, but did you not have to get over that hump that most of us, I think, do? So it's the weirdest thing. Um, I was a painfully shy kid. Like I wouldn't talk to anybody, nothing. But then the moment I got home, I was the biggest weirdo, like just walking around talking in different accents. I mean, I was just, you know, it, it was like night and day. And so... I thought at first that if I tried to do acting after seeing these performances that I loved, I would be too shy to do it because I was doing it in front of strangers. But when I I kind of put on the character of an extrovert to be the actor. Okay. And then it it really it really worked for me. I've also been I've I've done performances in plays where I was having a full-blown panic attack. And I just took my nerves and like threw it into the character and it was probably like some of the best acting I've ever done. We're just like using that uncomfortable. I mean, there's a lot of people who say that like to be an actor, you have to be comfortable with acting. And I actually say no, like you have to be kind of uncomfortable 
with getting into some of these characters because some of them are uncomfortable. You know, that's like, what I always thought. I thought yeah. you had to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, and the, so like just saying like no, no, you have to be comfortable talking in front of people or comfortable being in front of people. Yeah, if you're if you're playing like the most confident person in the world, that if you're playing Tony Stark. You need to have some Robert Downey Jr. qualities where he's a showman. He's also an amazing artist, but he's, you know, this this the showman and he's a little bit extroverted. But, like, if you're playing a complete, you know, hermit, then lean into being uncomfortable because that will come out in your performance. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know if that made sense. but No, it does make yeah. sense. I mean... Well, I think the other thing is, too, because every, everyone wants to play a Tony Stark. Right. Because Tony Stark is awesome. Tony Stark is cool. Mm -hmm. He has awesome clothes. He has yeah. an amazing car. You know, women love him. He's yeah. cool. He has a great suit. He fights monsters. He's yeah. a hero. He's cocky. He's funny. He's witty. He's everything. He's every. He has every characteristic, and we only want one of those. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but then when you start thinking about a character that is almost not unlikable, but certainly not somebody that you want to be. Or even right. pretend to be sometimes. Right. But those are unfortunately essential to, I think, most movies, if not all movies, because not everyone... You can't have 20 Tony Starks in a movie. Exactly. You have to have the other people in the movie, the people that are mm -hmm. unsure of themselves, the people that don't know all these things, the people that are un are not confident, are not good with women, are not funny, yeah. are not smart, struggle through every aspect of life, because mm -hmm. those people are walking this earth in fucking droves i mean we're everywhere yeah well i mean in that i this was a couple of years ago i think but like that whole controversy when uh scorsese was talking about how marvel films are not cinema and like it led to this whole debate of like okay well like what you know what are they and i, I you know i think there's different kinds of cinema but like yeah. you have to look at scorsese he comes from the 70s where it was gritty and these very character and flawed character driven storylines that is its own thing that's great that's what I happen to believe, you know, 95% of the film should be like. But then there is, you know, like The Wizard of Oz. I mean, that was a fantastical film and it had all of these new things and all the colors and all the, you know, all of it. Like, you were going to see that for entertainment. Like, people, you know, digest films differently. There are people who just, you know, want to go to a movie or turn on Netflix take their brain out and just be entertained. And then there are other people who like go and they're like, no, I want my life to be transformed. And I want this to be like this very visceral, you know, reaction. I mean, like they're all valid, you know? Um, well, so. I think what you said, the best way to describe it, if there's five reactions that you get from a movie, I'm mm -hmm. just throwing a number out there. You're not going to see those. Everyone doesn't see those in the same order. Right. Like I'll watch a movie that I've seen. I was like, Oh, it was really entertaining. And then, Two years later, I'm watching him like, I didn't realize how actually good this was. There are some yeah. brilliant scenes in this movie that I think I was maybe just blinded by the, just like maybe the uh, uh, the, the visual right. that was maybe a little bit more overpowering in the beginning that I don't see in most movies. But this is also an incredibly good movie. Or like I remember watching Pol Poltergeist as a kid. When mm -hmm. you watch it as a kid, you're like, holy shit, is yeah. this scary? Yeah. And then when you watch it as a doll, it's like, not only is it scary... This is really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a good, unique, it's, I mean, this is a terrifying movie with a family that's like having family discussions within this terrifying movie. Yeah. You forget that it's just a family that's, that's in, in you know, a non extra an, an, an ordinary group of people thrown an extraordinary event. It's right. it's it's weird. Yeah, and I thought for like a long time I was a big weirdo because I would watch the same movies 
like multiple times and that's not uncommon like you know i I mentioned new girl i think i've watched that whole series like maybe seven times but i would watch movies repetitively but i didn't realize that i was doing it at the time i didn't realize until i was a little bit older because i think i think my freshman year of high school i had this obsession with the movie almost famous and then the movie Mm. sleepers which you know when you're 14 I don't know if you should be obsessed with that movie, but like it's a it's a great movie. It's I can't speak enough about it. But like at fourteen, okay, like my mom was starting to like ask me questions, like why are we watching this? Um, but I didn't realize that I was doing what I what I had been doing my whole life, where like I would watch a movie, and the first time it was just okay, what's this movie? The next time I would watch it, I would really like zone in on the acting, and then like not pay attention to anything else. The next time I would pay attention to the writing and like very specific lines. The next time it would be like I would be watching the cinematography and I didn't realize it until I want to say like 2014, 2015 when I was in the movie theater and I still don't know how I got out unscathed. I went to see the movie 12 Years a Slave and at that time when I was in my acting training, I we were learning about characterizations and I so there were so many things going on and Steve McQueen is such a wonderful filmmaker but so many things were going on in that movie that you're like oh my god I'm watching the acting but oh my god look at what the camera just did or look at the you know like look at the sets and you know all of this and there was a scene where Sarah Paulson who I adore she walks out and she kind of introduces her character as you know the wife of the plantation owner um, and she just puts her hands on the banister And she's just overlooking the plantation. And then as she goes to walk away, she lifts her hands and just does this like motion to get the dirt off of them and walks away. And in that moment, I was just like, she just did one little movement that completely described her entire character. And so I like, I left my body in that moment. And when I came back into my body, I was slow clapping. And the people around me were like, are you slow clapping like a white supremacist? What the fuck? And so I'm just like, no, 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 the actor, the actor, guys, please, nobody, like, hurt me in the parking lot. Oh, my God. But, I, yeah, I realized that I was doing that. But, like, I didn't, like, yeah. And so, like, I'm just free labor. I don't get it. It's I know. Fine. Like, yeah. No, I was just like, this looks Good really bad. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, I didn't I didn't realize that I was like, oh, wait, no, I was paying attention to her acting quirks while also looking at the entire plantation and looking at the set and looking at all of these things, I was going in and out while I was watching that movie. And then it dawned on me what I'd been doing my whole life by these repetitive watches. Do you remember the first one that really kind of caught you, like movie or show? The first movie, I was reciting The Wizard of Oz at 18 months. But then the next movie that I remember seeing, I had to have been seven or eight. I I saw a ton of movies as a kid. I was like an eight-year-old talking about Abbott and Costello movies. So I was so popular. I had so many friends. Um, But I remember seeing the movie Chaplin with Robert Downey Jr. And I had seen a lot of actual Chaplin movies up to that point. And my mom would watch modern movies with me but then with my grandfather i would watch all the classics so i knew who robert johnny jr was from you know other rom-coms of the early 90s so i was very aware that i was watching a movie about chaplin being played by robert johnny jr but it was i can't actually articulate it and put it into words but it was one of the most transformative moments of my life and that opening have you ever seen chaplin yeah okay so the opening sequence where he's just taking off of his makeup and that score that's playing when I have to get into like a sad character or like a certain type of way, that song immediately goes into my earbuds because it just puts me back in a state of what I felt when I watched that movie. And there's another scene in that movie where he's he shows that there's there's this kind of like 
mythical, you know, uh, thing that comes to him when he puts on all of the stuff of the tramp. So he like goes to like reach for a hat and then it just floats to him and yeah. all this other stuff. And I remember as a kid being like, oh my gosh, what he, what they're doing right now is how I feel watching this movie. Like I was very aware that I was watching art and it wasn't just like a throwaway performance. Yeah. Th- uh, that was definitely the first one of his because obviously I'd seen a lot of movies like Johnny B. Good, the pickup artist, yeah, yeah. you know, weird science and yeah. then seeing him in an, a very, I thought kind of cooler, underrated and less than zero. I don't know if you ever yes, saw that. Yes. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. And then seeing in that and that's why I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. the real funny guy from this. Damn, that dude is. Yeah. Cause I'd also seen not a lot of Charlie Chaplin, but I, I, mm. I know. And like the, that's when I started noticing like, the mannerisms. I'm like, wow. I mean, that's when I really started thinking about someone having to kind of practice those yeah. things because they're unique. Right. Um, yeah, that was a, a very, very cool one. I didn't I didn't see a lot of movies as a kid. We had I'm well, I'm about a decade older than you, so we had like five VHSs in our home and I just watched them over and over again. Oh, okay. Now they were great. Yeah. I mean it was one was poltergeist. Mm. I shouldn't have seen it as many times as I did as a kid. <laughs> uh Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. Yeah. And uh Star Wars mm. and what was the fourth one? I don't remember. But maybe another Star Wars, like Empire Strikes Back. Mm. But I saw those just on rotation over yeah. and over and over again. I'd, I'd seen them, God, probably a hundred times each. Nice. That was just what I was just watching over and over again. Yeah, no, I would definitely watch some of like those like those movies um, a lot. But I mean, yeah, like I said, as a kid, I wasn't particularly popular because like Halloween would come around and people would be like, "Oh, I'm going to watch like the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown," and I'm like, "I'm watching Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, guys!" <laughs> like, and just like no one ever knew what the hell I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. So. No, I mean that's. I think most of us, especially as kids, were. We might have been into that, but we're just, most of us just kind of pretend. Most of us are acting when we're kids. Well, yeah. We're acting like we're kind of into this or we're into that or we want to play soccer or do this and go to the playground because kids are, I mean, kids are a little bit more, I think, aware of their surroundings than I think people give them credit for. It, mainly in the case that they just, they're insecure and they just kind of go with what everyone else is doing. So. Yeah, but what drove me absolutely crazy is like when we got to eighth grade and, you know, you're 12 and 13 and then... I don't know why around that time somehow Scarface makes a resurgence amongst the male youth like and it becomes a thing. It is weird. That it did. really yeah. it really does. And so that that happened in my school and people were like talking about Al Pacino and did, I'm like you guys just made fun of me for like the past 8 years of where I come from and him and I come from the same damn island and he's cool and I'm not like screw you. Like it was just like it was a whole thing. But I'm like no, appreciate in the his cinema. Defense, you weren't in Scarface. No, I wasn't. I I was not. But I, I could have been. No, yeah. I could. I wasn't alive. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a. Uh, uh, that's um. I don't know. I've I've always. Uh, I think everyone really like music and movies. I think mm-hmm. if someone's like if someone says to me like no, I don't really like music. I'm like no, nah, that's yes, you do. Yeah. That's a lie. If someone's like I'm not really into movies. I'm like, are you saying you don't see a lot of movies or you physically don't like watching them? Because right. that's I'm. I just I don't buy that. Um, yeah. I just think that we all kind of connect with those. I mean, we'll see them on different mediums, obviously, from like, you know, the theater, television, mm-hmm. and now streaming, which is obviously a lot bigger, but it's always going to be something that we like to do. And I think, it, and it means different things to different people. Like, I definitely fell in that 
trap where I was just a pain in the ass, like only watching like indie, like European films and wearing all black and acting like I was a true artist. Like, you know, I did that whole thing in college and, you know, I would scoff at anyone who, you know, watched mainstream movies. I obviously got out of that and have watched tons of mainstream movies. But I mean, like we can't like shit on people who like Twilight. I don't. But like, hey, that's your thing, you know. This other person is really into like B-rated movies that no one's ever heard of. Cool, that's your thing. And I think that's kind of the beauty of like the movie goer experience is that like it it's not it's not a singular experience. There's and something could, for everybody. Yeah, there's something yeah. for everyone. You, I agree. I obviously I'm I'm not into Twilight. Yeah. I saw I saw the first one. I was like, I mean, it wasn't bad, but everyone calmed down. I know. Yeah. It's just not. And it's I'm. Just, I, no, no, no. Give I'm me in, a near dark or a 30 days a night if we're talking vampire I, movies. I'm, I'm an interview with a vampire type of girl. Same. Like, they don't sparkle. But, like, hey, if you want if you want a sparkling vampire, good for you. But I'm just not going to go see the movie with you. And that's fine. <laughs> so, yeah. The, um, so, uh, acting, obviously, you're into. You said that you didn't even notice, maybe at the time, and notice later that Maybe you were writing a lot more than you were even realizing that you were writing. Right. So how does that transition into maybe? Well, I understand. Like, you know, I, I, it's such a dumb reference, but it's the one that very common people know is the Goodwill Hunting thing. Yeah. Is they're just like, hey, man, like I think there was even a reference of it on Friends, where they're like, hey, Joey, you're not getting your parts, write your own part. Like it's obviously that simple. Yeah. But so how does like the the when you start kind of incorporating your own writing into your own work? Yeah, so it, it's kind of, it was kind of that way, but the hilarious thing about that is, is that in college, the I think it was the first play I direct, no, the second play I co-directed with a friend was the show called Matt and Ben, about Matt Damon and Ben Affleck before they got famous, and where the script for Goodwill Hunting literally just falls out of the sky. And it was meant to be played by two women, and it was co-written by Mindy Kaling. And so my friend and I, we were like, what can we do? Because there, there wasn't a lot of theater kids at my school. It was like a lot of jocks. And so we're like, what? what can we do that's just the two of us? And we found this script and it literally like it fell from the sky into our laps and was one of my favorite characters. But it, it felt very similar to that in that, yeah, I would be auditioning for things, but I would get a lot of like the Italian woman that works at the pizza shop. And I'm like, yeah, okay, like, all right, like we get it. Like and we're in Cleveland and it's heavily commercial. So like go with what you look like, but you know, my agents are like, are you Jewish or Puerto Rican? I don't know what you are. You know, so I mean, it was like, that's a whole other discussion. But I did just start writing monologues for different acting classes, or I would write different scenes. And I had been doing that for a long time. Um, the way that like a story would come to me, it would come to me like dialogue back and forth. So I wasn't really writing, you know, a novel that was having dialogue. It, it, it came to me like a script. And I didn't know what that was. I just thought I was a shit writer who, like, shouldn't have gotten my English degree because I clearly don't know how the hell to do this. But things just naturally came to me that way. And in my English degree, anytime I would have to write a paper and they would tell me 10 pages, it would turn into 27. So I'm not a good editor. But um, yeah, it just started coming that way where I would... And I think also probably growing up in Little Italy helped me a lot because... When I grew up in the 80s and 90s, there wasn't like parks or anything to do. So I would just sit on Mayfield Road and just watch people. And you just see these different cast of characters coming from Case or coming down from Coventry. And I would envision their backstories. So it's just the way of 
the way that I've seen the world has always kind of been through a writer's lens. And I just thought it was an actor's lens. I didn't know the difference. I didn't know. I just, quite honestly, I just thought I was psychotic. <laughs> Maybe I still am. Maybe that is the answer and I'm not a writer. I'm just a little kooky. Well, no. I mean, if there's, you know, periods and commas and stories, if you're just writing kill, 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 no, yeah, no, no, I mean, no, no, talk no, no, to no. somebody. No, 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 that's not happening. Although one of the first scripts that I wrote that got made into a movie was about a psychiatric page, patient who killed her therapist. But that's a story, though. It's a, yeah. You weren't just writing kill, kill, kill. No. Yeah. No. The killing happened, and I'm sure the word kill might have been in there, but there was a story. There was a story. That's not psychotic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Plus, you could argue anyone that kind of goes against the grain is a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah. And I, not in, a, I don't think, in, in an insulting way either. No. It's more of a compliment. What's the line from the show Weeds where Elizabeth Perkins says, uh, let your freak flag fly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's another one I haven't seen in a long time. I love it so much. I did too. I really did. It, just, it got it. a little off the rails for me oh, as we got toward crazy, the end. I was just like... I really liked it when she was selling weed in her neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now she's like with the cartels. Exactly. Like, it got a little, but still. Yeah. All shows do that when you get into season seven. Yeah. They're running out of ideas. Yeah, exactly. Do you ever, uh, do you have like a preference? Like, do you like movies over television or television over movies? Or does it does it kind of switch on you? No, I, I used to be an avid film buff. And then something happened with and I don't know if it was like Shonda Rhimes and Grey's Anatomy or like Ryan Murphy and like you know American Horror Story where they just TV shows just started to get a lot more interesting than movies did and TV shows were pushing the envelope in ways that I felt like movies weren't you know having different you know colors shapes and sizes um having a lot more female writers in the writer rooms um I don't know I just felt like and I, I don't know when it was maybe like maybe like 2004, 2005, something like that, things just started to change and I found myself watching more TV shows than I did movies. That's not to say that no good movies have been made since then. They have. But yeah, and I, I just think with everyone, like a lot of us, our attention span has maybe changed. So it's like, oh, okay, yeah. I need to like mentally prepare to sit down for two and a half hours. Whereas, you know, a couple episodes, it's, you know, it's it's quenching your thirst for some creativity, but then you could move on. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I like both. I've been in that for about a year. I think I've maybe seen three movies in the last 12 months. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I Obviously, having a, a, a young baby does that where I think by the end of the day, we're like, man, I just can't fucking commit to oh, a movie sure. right now. Sure. So so having a show that at the most is 41 minutes and getting an episode yeah. in. And there's so many good shows now. Right. I'm sure there's good movies. I'm not going to lie. The ones I've, the movies I've watched, I've been like, I wasted my movie night on that. Mm. Like, that was not a good one. I'm struggling to find those, but there's a lot of good shows. Yeah. No, uh, there's a lot. In fact, I'm sorry, but we got to talk about it. Okay. Have you ever watched Love on the Spectrum? My friend Zach told me to watch that show. It's my favorite fucking show. And I watched a couple episodes, and I was just, like, like crying and laughing. Yes. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't know how I to feel. don't. Honestly, and I don't, I've seen dating shows before. And I don't give a shit how they turn out. In fact, I'm rooting for all of them to break up. When I watch Love on the Spectrum, I am like, Jesus Christ, I yeah. hope this works out. Yeah. I'm just so, you know, I, I, you watch that show and you're just like, I genuinely want you to find somebody so badly. Yeah. I also truly think that the world would be better if we all just kind of interacted the way autistic people on that show interact because it's fucking great they'll get done with a day i'm like i'd like to see you again like you know what i don't want to see you again 
and like understand, take care, and then they just go this everywhere. I know <laughs> it's amazing, but there are there are people on that show where I mean I almost break it down into tears when they're going through like a breakup when they're mm-hmm. like I really like this person and they're like I don't want to see you again. And he's like I understand, have a great day, and then he walks yeah. away. And he's like I really loved her. Oh, <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, I know it's like but I, have I can't to, stop watching it. I know I I, I I definitely have to. There are certain things that I have to be like in the right frame of mind to oh, watch. So do. that is one of them. Like if I'm in a lighthearted mood. Okay, I could watch this. If I'm teetering downward at all, like, no, like, we'll pass for the day. But I actually, um, I think I'm, like, a couple uh, episodes in, and I'm behind on everything, so, but um, I'm a couple episodes in on Beef, which is... Beef's amazing. Amazing. Like, that show so unbelievably amazing. Like, good. Like, I'm just, yeah, I can't. And I think the last time I felt anything like that for a new TV show was probably Killing Eve. Killing Eve's brilliant. Yeah. Killing Eve's absolutely the first season of Killing Eve might be one of the best first seasons of anything I've ever seen. Yeah, it was amazing. Truly, truly incredible. That yeah. is not what I thought it was going to be, and I mean in the most amusingly happy way. That and um, I was actually I was going back and forth between Killing Eve and Russian Doll, which have not will, seen but heard it's great. Yeah, I mean that was a trippy experience, but yeah, like I I do get super super excited for. Um, some of these these shows and then other times like I just want to wait until some of the hysteria dies down. So I didn't start like Game of Thrones until Oh, I was season... years later. Yeah, like at, when they were already like, you know, doing season 4 after the red wedding and everything. I started watching it then cuz I was just like, okay, like dragons, like and everyone's like losing their shit over this. I'm not going to like I it. I was the same way. And then I ended up watching it and really liking it and then catching up with my friends and I'm like, "Oh my god, I love Rob Stark." And they're just like, "Uh, Okay. You know? I, I assume you're still in season one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so. the uh, no, I, I was the same way. I don't think I started that until maybe five when the se- when it was five seasons in. Yeah. And I started because my wife was out of town for like a week and a half for work, and I was like, "What the fuck am I gonna do?" <laughs> and I just was sitting around one night, and I was like, "All right, I'll watch an episode, then right. I watch another." And I, I thought it was good for sure. Confusing. There's too mm-hmm. many people and too many names, so yeah. I didn't know. And their names aren't Derek and Brad. You know, like they're very, I'm like, who? Wait, he doesn't. All right. I guess I'll just figure it out later. Right. So, but yeah, uh, I did. I think that there is a, there's something to be said for waiting for something to die down before you see it. Yeah. Uh, I, like, I just watched Saltburn. Oh, God. I don't know if that was a good or a bad, oh, God. Okay. This is just what I love about people's creativity is the fact that there is a Jacob Elordi's bathwater candle that exists makes me hate capitalism. Like, it really was just like, okay, like, I get it. And there's a drink that people are serving. And they're and I'm like, guys. I don't know. No. I, I'm not saying I thought it was a bad movie. I, I don't think that. I think there was very much a good movie in there. But I also think there was like four times where I'm like, this doesn't help me at all. I think you threw it in there just to throw it in there. So I wrote something on my Instagram that Mike Went, name drop, actually was like, that was the perfect way of describing it. Um, I said that Saltburn was the talented Mr. Ripley on an acid trip. That is exactly what it was to me. I said this to my wife when we got done. Not that exactly, but I was like, did you ever see the talented Mr. Ripley? And she's like, no, I didn't. I'm like... So that's what I thought it was kind of going toward. Yeah. And then they threw in some scenes. I think they're just like, 
let's throw in some scenes. They don't help it at all. No. And in fact, some of them will be contradicted later on. Mm -hmm. Like, it, I don't care if you guys saw it or not. I just don't give a shit. But yeah. her and I did, so we're yeah. going to talk about it. <laughs> at the end, he's just like, no, I never loved him. I never loved any of you. I hated all of you. I'm like, then what was the point of the grave scene? Like, I don't yeah. get it. And, and like, that was improvised, too. Yeah. And I'm like, like I don't... Hell? Like I'm sorry if this if I'm on a set and somebody's improvising that I'm like can we, it, hold on like is this going to turn into an NC17 like what <laughs> is happening like I yeah I appreciated it and I really really liked um, Emerald oh my gosh I can't think of her last name but she was the director or and the writer oh, yeah yeah, yeah um, and so I appreciated it from that aspect I mean I think all of the acting was great. Um, I do too. I think Rosamund Pike's another one. I'll watch anything yeah. she's in. I think I don't know her name, but whoever played the uh, the, uh, the sister, the, yeah, the blonde, she was great. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I think I don't know. Again, I think it was just, and maybe that's just modern day thinking where they're like, but we got to throw some shit in there for. I, I don't yeah, know. I that's mean, what I thought. And there are certain things too, like especially since we were talking about like horror films. Like I, I feel like there are some horror films that people will throw things in there, like oh here's just a scene of this guy's getting his. Yeah. dick cut off and it's like okay like but what did that do with the storyline are you just Zero. showing that like so it's like i get it like people you know wanting to you know put their artistic quirks on things but eh, I also know. i know that he was kind of obsessed with the tall good looking guy because he was watching him take a bath i didn't need to watch him yeah we didn't look up that made no 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 the, no the point had already been conveyed that he's obsessed with him he's lying to him he's trying to embrace it into his, he's been yeah I, I get that i didn't but i mean i'm like I also didn't realize that that scene, though, was going to bring back, like, a horrible memory for me. And I should have not said it that way because that's going to make it sound like I did something like that. And I did not. You 100% should explain. I yes. did not. Yes. Okay. So I said the talented... <laughs> I was watching this guy take a bath. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> um, so, no, I, I... The talented Mr. Ripley. And that scene kind of reminded me of that because if you remember in that movie, like, Matt Damon goes to Jude Law while he's taking a bath and he's just, like, playing with his bath water. And I'm like, dude, like, that's freaking weird. Yes. Well, and then Jude Law gets up and walks across frame i begged my mother to go see that movie because i was like it's an italian director and it's in italy and like we need to represent like our people <laughs> and I, exactly that's exactly what i said and i remember being in the movie theater and that scene happens and you see jude law's penis and my mother's face just slowly turning toward me and i'm like oh god i didn't know this was in the movie and i look over at my mom and she's like is this why you wanted to see this movie? And I'm like, yes, mom. For the very first time I see a grown man's penis, I wanted you to be sitting next to me. Like, yeah, no, I didn't know that this was happening. So when that scene happened in Saltburn, that memory came rushing back to me. And it was not pleasant. Neither was the scene. So, I know hey. you, would have, you wouldn't have thought of this at the time. Uh -huh. But when your mother looked over and said, is this why you want to see the movie? You should have been like... I actually thought it's why you wanted to see the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, so, I wanted to come to this movie? I thought you did. This was your idea. You paid. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay, good. I'm, I don't know. I, I Again, I, I don't, I think there was a good movie in there for yeah. sure. Um, mm -hmm. And again, I'm not saying it's bad, right. but I'm like, I just don't think that a lot of that was needed at no. all. It didn't help it. I think it was just thrown in there for exactly what you just mentioned. Like, let's shock some people and get and talk about it. Yeah. I'm like, the movie was fine. Yeah. 
It was no. good on its own. But yes, so. that's. I'm so glad you said that because my wife had not seen the talented Mr. Ripley because we're 30 minutes in. I'm like, this is a talented yeah. Mr. Ripley, you yeah. know, and which is a great movie. And they're remaking that as a TV yeah. show. Did you see that? I don't know. I, I mean, I'll watch it, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, they. Well, you talked about it. they remade Interview with a Vampire as yeah. a show. They remade yeah. everything. I mean, everything is a show now. It's. Yeah. It's. I don't know. I know we talked about remakes, but I mean. Is that movies nowadays? I know are just kind of like a crapshoot. To be perfectly honest, yeah. if you're not a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. they're a crapshoot because mm-hmm. people aren't they're not going to movies for sure, and I don't think that's going to change. Um, I think well, you talk about like the effects of COVID. One of the effects of COVID was people just started cutting things out of their lives they realized they didn't need. Right. And going to the movie is stupid expensive. If you and mm-hmm. I were to go to a movie. And get candy and something to drink. Legitimately, yeah. it's like 60, 70 bucks. Oh, yeah. No. It's something crazy, yeah. you know? And <clears throat> now with streaming and the ease of that, I think, I just think people are like, we're just, there's just, we, there's no reason to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that people don't go. Obviously, they still do, but not nearly as much as they used to. Right. Do you see things like that as a benefit, as, or is it just something where, like, in this industry, like all industries, just have to adapt to the changing times? I mean, yeah, I think everything everything evolves. Um, I, as being a kid who grew, grew up going to, you know, live theater and, you know, going to movies, like, I, it has a certain um, place in my heart. And I do think that there are certain films that just read better on a large screen. Oh, completely agree. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I don't, I hope it would never go away completely. Um, yeah. But I just think that it because it's so profit-driven that people are doing all of these, you know, iterations of the same thing over and over again because they know it makes money and they know it's going to bring it in. I think a lot of people would be more surprised that People really want new and original stories. That's why some TV shows are doing so well. It's not just the convenience, although that's, you know, one of it. It's because you're giving them something new or you're giving them something for a community that doesn't feel like they've been seen. I mean, all of these different reasons, but it comes from the originality and the writers. And so I I, like, you know, please. Places like uh, Cedar Lee or, you know, Capitol Theater that they show some of these indie films. Yeah, I hope those never go away. I, th- I pray that they never do because, I mean, and I grew up going to see Rocky Horror Picture Show there when I was in high school. I, so. I, went to, I lived right next to Cedar Lee when I was, oh, okay. I was, I was right there, right by the high school. That's nice. where I lived for a couple of years. Yeah. And so, so it has this whole, it has this whole feeling. Um. I, I, I hope it doesn't go away, but I do think then that there are there are more things that are opening up. Whereas like if you were an actor, you, now you have more mediums to get jobs, um, you know, yeah. with different streaming and things like that. So there, there are benefits. You have more writers. But, you know, obviously everything that happened this past year with the strikes, um, people are putting their foot down and saying, no, like we're here. We're going to stay, but we're we're fighting for what we're worth. Um, and I kind what of What do you think is going to happen with that? Uh, honestly, like so – a lot again when you're having those discussions about that you want to get people on your side and this is this is a very tough thing to do for actors because i understand wanting to put people in the forefront of the discussion that we all know and recognize but those are the super successful people so it yes. makes us not care yeah um i don't think this really hit home with me until someone showed me this that uh uh the show suits mm-hmm. they're like i don't know the exact numbers but it's something something astronomically bonkers that I read. It was the, the the show Suits was streamed on Netflix for something like 
40 billion minutes or some shit like that. Right. And the entire the entire casting crew was paid collectively three thousand dollars for yeah. it. I'm like, oh, that's what you guys gotta put out there. Cause yeah. that's the part that that's tough to understand. Like you talk right. about how many times have you watch New Girl all the way through right. or Will and Grace mm-hmm. or The Office. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, The Office must be streamed oh, billions of times a day. Right. I mean, it, it just is. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer for someone on that because I understand you want to put Bradley Cooper and he's for some reason the only mm-hmm. one I thought of. I understand wanting to put Bradley Cooper out there or Halle Berry or whoever out there that everyone knows. Yeah. But also we're all like, yeah, we don't care because you're super rich anyway. Yeah. And we're out here having our own problems. So fuck off. (laughs) I think one of the the interviews that I saw was with Billy Porter. He was on Pose um, and he was saying, you know, he he won an Emmy for that, that part and was getting seven cent residual checks. So, I mean... Yeah, it, it is an, an interesting industry, um, but for me, I've actually been really worried about, like, AI and voiceover. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And this that is, whole discussion. For anyone that doesn't know this, and I, you'll know more about this than I, but the one that I've heard is that they're actually having certain people that are, like, extras in the background mm-hmm. sign away their likeness, yes. and it's because they're, like... The amount of money they can save by not paying extras if they can just impose them in the background. Yeah. And I actually, one of, like a job that I had a couple months ago, I was given direction to just give a very monotone robotic take. And I was like. That could be duplicated. Yeah. Okay. Why? And, uh, you know, so I was like, all right. And, but like, it had to do with software and, you know, they probably want it to sound that way. Okay, fine. And, you know, I got, I got paid and I, you know, I signed what I needed to sign. But what was hilarious to me, and I'm not one of these people like who likes to toot my own horn, but the producer came back and they're like, did you use AI software on this? Because you're reading like as non-human. And I'm like, no, I just did what you told me to do. And they're like, no, I'm just dead inside. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I just don't feel anything. I'm like, play it backwards and you'll hear the real meaning. Yeah, you'll hear uh, some shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of it still goes over my head because I... I think that was the interesting, interesting thing for me, too. It was, like, the first time I was going on sets or, like, you know, commercial shoots and things like that and kind of seeing how the sausage was made. When you grow up as an actor, you're like, oh, I'm the most important person, you know, because everyone's looking at me. And then you realize that you're, like, one-tenth of the whole equation. Yeah. So I was always not, like, somebody that was behind the scenes. I admittedly don't know the business as well as I should because I, I was just like, no, I'm just, the, I'm just here to put some makeup on me. And I didn't take that time to really learn. I've now really immersed myself even into like software and things like that, where somebody asked me to like do an audio take and like do certain kind of mastering. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, should I know what this is? Here, it was a lot more advanced than what I was used to. And I had to kind of get help. But I mean, I think that's important to kind of have like an all encompassing knowledge. So yeah, listening to what these strikes are about or reading, you know, even if you're not a member of SAG, like, you know, reading the updates, it's just, I think it's important for a lot of people in different industries. After I saw that thing about suits and I started looking into some of it, then I saw some videos of actors who I didn't necessarily know their name, but I knew them, Mm -hmm. you know, like people that are more like a, a, like a Keith David or a Judy Greer, Mm -hmm. people I've seen in hundreds of things maybe they're not they're not superstars but i see them i definitely know who they are and i might know their name they're just working actors that are you know kind of well known um and and talking about things like that like one of them was opening up his residual checks and 
He's like, so this is this, this is this, this mm-hmm. is this. And he's like, this show has been in syndication for 15 years or something right. like that. I'm like, oh. Like, that's the stuff that I think, I know that's harder to kind of get in front of people. But yeah. that's the stuff I was like, that is kind of odd. Because, look, I, I've had, I've done work for companies that I don't work for anymore. And mm. what if they're still benefiting and making money, right. a lot of money off something that I did? Right. And that's a little bit different. Yeah. Um. I did have another question, and it's a, a little bit sensitive. But I did, since you're in the business, I, okay. it's not—it's actually more sensitive for me, truthfully. Okay. Um, like representation in mm-hmm. film and in television, important. I, I've always viewed this, and, and the way I'll kind of frame this as somebody that's in the industry and somebody that just kind of absorbs it, just a common person that just likes seeing good stuff. Which I do think, for the most part, is is as most of the general public. I think. Most of us don't really give a shit who's in it, who wrote it. We just want to watch something good. But we're not opposed to things like representation, and we think it's fine. We think it's cool. I, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, the three examples that I that I, I have in mind is one is the remake of Charlie's Angels, the remake, remake, remake Charlie's Angels, okay. uh, The Woman King, and then what was the Billy Eichner movie? Because I did see that. Bros. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch that? Um, yes, I It's did. funny. Yes. Like, it's a funny movie. But all three of those didn't do well for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And I was curious what you thought. Let's start with Bros. Now, Bros, if anyone, uh, Billy Eichner is hilarious. I'll watch anything he's in. I've seen his show over and over again. His show was, his movie was released. It didn't do very well, Mm -hmm. which I attributed to him like, yeah, I mean, it's a fucking bad time to put a movie in theaters. It just is. But that turned into, and I don't know if this is just the way it is now with everything. And he said it's because everyone's, not word for word, but something in terms of people are homophobic and didn't want to see it. Mm. Um, I'm sure that that's the case. There are some people that don't. But then at the same time, I didn't think that that was the big problem. Mm. Charlie's Angels, the remake, or the, which is, again was like the remake of a remake yeah. of a remake. Yeah. Um, same thing. It didn't do very, very well. And she, Elizabeth Banks, who's amazing. I've always been a fan of her. This one kind of bummed me out. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. She said that it was because you know, men didn't want to give return the favor, so to speak. I'm curious what you think of things like I, I assume you're on board with representation. Um, but about that, about how do you kind of convey to your audience or things like that? I, I I don't know. It's for me, it's almost like slighted and it makes people not want to see future acts or, 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 or projects that you do. Because yeah. I don't think most people are like that. I might be wrong, though, or naive, for sure. But I'm curious, like, what you thought of something like that. I... In open, really. Yeah, in, no, That's why, I mean, it's kind of more sensitive for no, me. No, no, no. You know I, what I mean? Like, I, I just, I feel like there's multiple things going on, and, and I don't want to boil it down to just one sentence, but... Oh, yeah, I mean, no, no, But no. not everything is for everyone. I agree. And, like, yeah. that's fine. Like, you know, so, I mean, like, with Bros, I mean, there have been plenty of other films and TV shows I mean, like, Queer as Folk. Do you remember when that was out? Super it was, like, popular. a huge, you know. That was, like, 20 years ago. It was, yeah. But, I mean, like, The Birdcage, you know, I mean, like, different things. So, like, I. Will I, and Grace. I, yeah, Will and Grace. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to blame it all on that. Although, I mean, I could understand, like, why that would be a knee-jerk reaction. And sure. sure there are some people who, like, just have no care in the world at all about a game. 100%. Narrative. They don't want to see They're it. They're not going to see a movie that's fine. Like, that's completely fine. I don't think, like, anyone was, you know, boycotting the movie or, like, stealing people's tickets. I think it's, 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 it's a, listen, to make a really good movie that is, resonates with a lot of people, if we're going to go through, like, let's just take, like, the 80s and 90s. 
we can drop 20 different movies and we're going to pick different ones, you know, or mm-hmm. we, we, and a couple of them, we might pick the same ones. Not everything is for everyone and not everything resonates with everyone. And I think that that's, I think that that's totally, totally fine. And if you're morally opposed to seeing a movie or you're just not interested in it, you don't have to go spend your money just for the sake of being an ally or you can, whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I feel like sometimes we put a lot of trivial um, expectations on movies that don't always necessarily belong. I agree. I, I, I look a movie like bro and by the way it's available go watch it it's funny yeah. i did i really thought it was funny mm-hmm. billy eichner's very very funny the show's funny the movie's funny it's a rom-com just happens to be too gay died yeah. doesn't make it less funny it's right. funny um but i mean i even saw the box office for that gay people didn't see that movie yeah <laughs> it's just it's just not a time i'm sorry i mentioned earlier movies are a crapshoot now yeah some people just aren't willing to put down Sixty, seventy dollars right. to go see a movie that maybe they'll wait for it to go stream, or maybe they're yeah. just won't. Maybe it's because there's so many movies out there that you can't even get to it. You know exactly. And I feel like, and I, I don't know how to say this because I think somehow it's going to come across wrong, and it's not my intention. But like, I also think. Also, my intention was not to make, get you to say something. No, wrong. no, 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 no. Being no, that no. this is your realm, I'm I've, really curious. No, what you I've thought. thought about this yeah. for a while. I, I think too, like when you think about. Okay, I'll say The Birdcage, like, for example. Like, there wasn't a ton of, you know, films that were revolving around gay themes. Or if they were, they were negative. Or it had to do with AIDS. Or, you know, they weren't just, like, you know, funny, lighthearted films. The Birdcage happened because there wasn't a lot of that content out there. So it became an event. And I actually think when it first came out, it wasn't that well-received, but it became a phenomenon. It, it picked up steam yeah, years later. Yeah, it picked up steam. It's a really funny so movie. So, oh my gosh, I love it. Um, But I think... That, that shouldn't discourage people from putting out more stories that are like that because you, you feel like it might get watered down or muddled. Yeah. But invariably, that might happen. You know, there's only so many horror films that are somebody shooting in the woods that people are going to want to watch. Yeah. So if you're if you're doing the same thing over and over again, but so then take a take a gay film and I don't know, make them astronauts or something. I have no idea. Like do something that's not been done before. Then people probably the studios won't want to take a chance on it because they can't, you know, guarantee that they're going to get their money back. So it's 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 just a really weird game of like having to make something that you know will be true to who you are or represent your people accordingly. Also have it somehow be relatable, but also have it be different enough so that it's new, but also have to think about the producers, but then also, ha- I mean, like, there's so many things that go into the concept. Budgets, timing, what everything. else is being released. Yeah. yeah there's so, so many things. There's so many things that you're throwing at the wall that, like, not everything is going to stick. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that that's, too, another thing why it's good to have movies and TV kind of be in tandem with each other, because you could have a long form story that has to do with gay characters like Queer as Folk or Will and Grace. You know, it's showing all of the intricacies, but then have like a real event that has to, you know, that takes place that is in mm-hmm. gay characters that you're not going to be able to translate on a show or vice versa. Yeah. So you're still getting the representation, but you're you're not it's not the same thing over and over again. I mean, like how many rom-coms have been made? Oh but my if God. you think about it, how many are actually different? Like, you know, like, like that you're like, I'm not, I'm just not, like, I don't want to watch two people just talking over dinner and it's, you know, like whatever, like what makes them different and what makes them cool and what makes, you know, like. 
I can I, name ones yeah. that I like, but they're all pretty much the same. I have had this theory for years that a lot of rom-coms actually started off as really good, maybe like comedy dramas or even dramas. And yeah. then people stepped in like, yeah, but we need them to have this. And then they're not going to get together. Then they get together mm-hmm. and then they break up and then they get back together yeah. after a misunderstanding, <laughs> Yeah, which is every rom-com. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've always had that there. Like I bet some of these... I bet some people wrote this and they're like, this is not what I thought it was going to turn into, but I want to get the movie made. So this is it. Yeah, I, I I agree with everything you said. And again, my intention for the question was the more, I don't know. I, I was curious about someone who's actually in, the, who's actually done acting and things. Because I, I think you view things different. That like musicians hear music different than I kind of absorb things. You mm. know, people that are, people with kids have different, you know, it, you know, outlooks on life than people without kids you know i just i just think that it's an if you've experienced it or been part of it you might have a different take and i think yours is right there isn't one reason that something is successful or something fails sometimes things you met you mentioned like the birdcage there's scarface we mentioned scarface was not well received the first time out not at all that that hit harder like 10 years later and then like 10 years later again that was not a well-received movie Right. Um, There's a lot of movies like that that turned into cult classics that people just mm-hmm. love. Yeah. You know, Rocky Horror Picture Movie was not like something that everyone was just like, it came out and was like, go see it. Yeah. That thing, yeah. but it turned into, you know, mm-hmm. something else. I mean. Yeah. And I think too, like, you know, we're so used to like the box office numbers and like, you know, yeah. what is this is, this is a flop or this is whatever. And, but it's like, yeah, all those movies you mentioned, like, no, look at the long game. Like, look oh, at yeah. what they've become. Like, they've beat, they have etched their name into the sandstones of time like uh, that was way too dramatic um but like they've really like you know left their mark but when they came out they were absolute crap so who knows bros in 10 years might be like you know they might be teaching that movie in queer theory like you know who knows i'd watch it again the movie's funny i I do i think i think the movie's funny Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know I've, i've always been I've always been curious. Oh, you know what? I wanted to ask you this. Maybe you'll know this. What is, when you go and try to determine if a movie is a flop or not, how do they determine that? Like, I understand it's how much money it makes versus how much it costs, but mm-hmm. how does anyone really know? So the thing that I find infuriating about that, and I don't know, and I don't want to, like, turn this into, like, a sexist issue, but have you ever noticed that, like, when a man comes out with a film and it's, like, his his debut or it's, like, an actor turned you know, writer or whatever. And they're like, oh, it didn't do good. Like, oh, his debut, not so great. But then you had like Melissa McCarthy come out with a couple of films that she did that did not do good. And she was like, people were just like, oh, it was such a disaster. It was a catastrophe. Like her career is in shambles. And blah, blah, blah. Really? I thought her movies yeah. always did well. Uh, no, a lot of them didn't. Um, and I can't really? think, I can't, oh my gosh. The, the, for somebody who's been acting since I was a kid, you would think I'd be better at remembering titles. Well, she did uh, but, uh, what the the ID one with, uh, uh, Stolen ID with uh, with Jason Bateman. That was good. It was, I think the one after the it that I think that. With Sandra Bullock was no, good. No, that was good. That the did one well. with Jason Bateman in it. Where she that's had, like, a, a curly hair. Yeah, that's where she stole his identity, right? No. That was a different movie. I can't... Oh, my goodness. Oh, the amount of times we're going to have to put things in the notes for this yeah. episode. But, yeah, I mean, so I, I think people, the way that they view flops is totally subjective. And, oh, yeah. For and 
there's some kind of marker that like the rest of us peasants don't know about. Because I really, I really don't know. I, I really can't put my finger on it. But that's an interesting point, though, too. Because then there are also flops that win multiple awards. Like if you saw Foxcatcher, Foxcatcher did not. Yeah. Foxcatcher, I, I think, missed it by like $20 million. Like if it was $30 million to make it, made 10 right. It was well-received, obviously, yeah. and did really well. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it didn't make a lot of money. It was a flop. Yeah. But I think maybe that, and obviously winning awards definitely helps. But, yeah, I, uh. I don't know. I've always someone explained to me that if you go to the Wikipedia page and if the budget is on there, you double the budget, and that's mm-hmm. what they have to make to break even. Yes, that's okay. true. Is yeah. that okay? Yeah. That is so true. that is true. Yeah, and okay. it, yeah. So like it, they're like I completely bypassed the actual question and just went on a no, tangent. No, but no, like, no, 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 no. But like yeah, so it is about about the box office numbers and if you could break even or if you make you know more than what was put in. Yes, that's one of the markers, but. There are some of these other like arbitrary markers that I just don't. No, that's a very get. valid point. Like, like when Halle Berry's Catwoman. Okay, like I think we could all say like now yeah, it was a really bad movie. It wasn't the you know it wasn't the greatest, <laughs> but people were like losing their damn minds. Like, oh my gosh, Halle Berry, what have you done? Like, you thought like sh- the woman slapped someone's child. Like, it's like okay, calm down. It was just a movie that wasn't that great and yeah. it didn't resonate. Like, the movie move, sucked. Move on with your life now. A lot like, of movies suck. Yeah. In fact, most movies. There's a lot of movies that There's are quite bad. A lot of yeah. A lot of movies are very very bad. Yeah, not uh. great, but yeah, <laughs> but that's also a question that has always interested me. Is like, what is a bad movie? Uh, it's all well. It's subjective, obviously. There are some that I think. For the most part, I don't know. I think maybe when you cross where it's so bad that it's entertaining to watch. Um, but what makes it bad? Is it the acting? Is it the writing? Is it the costumes? Is it the, you know, ca- like what, what is it that? No, would- this is a really good. Okay. So this is really good because you mentioned a movie earlier that I really liked, but on the surface, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? That sounds so dumb. Okay. So let's compare, and no one's ever done this before. Let's compare Lindsay Lohan's movie of I Know Who Killed Me. I don't know if you ever saw it. Yes. It is a pile of shit. Yes. <laughs> but so funny. Okay. And The Lobster. <gasps> the Lobster is brilliant. But if someone were to write down the plot, forget the actors, forget the directors, forget everything. If somebody were to write down the plots of both of those movies, you're like, I don't want to pick. Those are both fucking absurd. Yeah. But then you throw in... The actors, the mm-hmm. way that it shot. You know what? For her, maybe that wasn't a fair comparison because of what she was kind of going through at yeah, the time. She was true. like, everyone's like, what do you expect? Mm-hmm. You know? But those are absurd, absolutely absurd storylines. So, but what you're saying, though, is that you're making it sound like it's more the aesthetics of what it makes could it be. bad. Yeah. It, but so, I mean, but that's the thing. Like, I, I think The Lobster was brilliant. I, I was like, my mouth was gaping open. I was like, what the hell did I just But watch? halfway through the movie, I'm looking at my wife. I'm like, I can't believe this is what this movie's about. Yeah. Like, no, this it was... absurd. It was insane. And but just, it's like, so good. The monotone deliveries, I was like, what is happening? So, but like, do you think a poorly written movie can be made well by the actors and all the other things? Or do you think like... I think both. A good written film can just tank because of the... You know what I mean? Like I've always... Been, I, I think I think yeah. both. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think somebody can make something better 
even if it's not very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I also think that somebody can destroy something even right. though it's really, really good. Yeah. I mean, these are kind of absurd examples, but if you take something like Schindler's List and you put Ashton Kutcher in the place of Liam Neeson, With I don't think God. it's going to do as well. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, that, I'm going to have a nightmare about an that. An extreme example, yeah. <laughs> okay. I know, but there's some people that just can't do it. But there was a time where Ashton Kutcher was in so many movies, you almost can't be like, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, he played yeah. Steve Jobs. That was absurd. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, like that's it's stuff like that. It also goes with the timing, where that person's at. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a ton of people that just commanded, you know, huge purses of money and are wildly popular. But I mean, you could name one or one, maybe two good mo- movies that you would say, I could probably watch that. Yeah. A lot of them are kind of hard to watch. Right. You know, and it's usually, you know, a lot of like really good looking. Pr- hey, C- Colin Farrell, I mean, going back to that, you mentioned that like he... Came out, had some really cool movies. Then he kind of was just in a lot. Then you feel like he was in every third movie that came out, and he was in a lot. And then he kind of like, Matthew McConaughey did something very, very similar, where he just kind of started being like, maybe I should stop doing shit like this and just try to do some cooler stuff. I don't know, you know? uh, Yeah, I've had a crush on him since I was 16, and it started out very innocently, but I had photos of him in like my little assignment notebook. And I went to an all-girl Catholic high school. And was just, like, kindly told, like, you shouldn't be lusting after this man. And I very politely said, oh, I'm not thinking about him like that. I really just want to hold him and take a very tiny brush and brush his eyebrows. As we all did. I mean, yeah. <laughs> is that is that going to be the name of this episode? Like, Colin's eyebrow, eyebrows? Eyebrow brusher. Eyebrow brusher. <laughs> the brushing of the eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I can't not ask you this question. So what are what are, what are the best movies for you? Like, what are your, they don't have to be in a certain order, but if Mm -hmm. someone's like, if I wanted to understand what kind of a person you are or what kind of a, that you're into, like, what are the movies you're like, that's going to explain kind of like what my style is or what I like? There are two just things that instantly came to my mind. Um, One is the opening sequence of Chaplin, because that's just so ingrained in me. But then there's also a movie that I want to say came out in 2008 or 2009 called Hunger. Um, have you seen that? Oh, yeah. It was about Bobby Sands, um, yes. and it was uh, Michael Fassbender. There is a scene of him when he's in the prison, and he's seated opposite of the priest, who's trying to talk him out of doing this whole hunger strike. And there is a frame that the camera, like, the, the, for an extended period of time, the camera does not move. And so I guess I would say I, I, I that whole movie really affected me in a lot of ways, but... That scene where you're watching something and you're uncomfortable and you don't know why because it's like so intimate and real and you're just so engaged are the things that I really are the times that I really know that film can be transformative. And a lot of the times I will find myself writing just two people talking over coffee because the most happens for me in those in those moments, in those like quote unquote regular moments. There's so much that you can do in just a tight shot like that. Um, so I would say, you know, I'll be pretentious again, just like black and white indie mo- movies like that come out of. It's only you pretentious know. when you say it like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but like, yeah, just like, I, I don't know, very character driven films that are just 
more simple, I guess I would say. Like, and that's not to say I don't like action movies or I didn't really love, no, you know, love you know, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. Like, I do. I cannot wait for the third Sherlock to come out. I'm like, when Those the hell are, are we so doing good. this? Like, I need this in my life. Those movies are really good. Amazing. And I, I remember hearing when the casting came out because I've, like I've said, I mentioned Chaplin, Robert Downey Jr. has been like in my, you know, consuming uh, of films since I was a kid. But I also really like Jude Law. So when they said that they were going to be together, I'm like, that's going to be crap. Like, I just could not envision them together. And then the moment that they're on screen for the first time, I'm like, I've, I, I this is what I need. Oh, their in interactions are. Yeah. You would, they, they, yeah. they, they truly came off as two people that had like been friends for 40 years. Uh, it, it was, in, I mean, just the chemistry of that, it was insane. So not to say that I don't like those movies, I do, but there's just something to me that, and I also have to be in a certain mood, you know? Like, I have to have some of those movies where I'm just like, yeah, I'm just, like, in an off mood, and I don't want to watch something that's going to make me want to rip my heart out. And then there are other times where I'm like, okay, let's do this. Like, let's cry fest 2004 or 2024. Oh, my gosh. I'm dating myself. I just went back 20 years. It's my it's coming up on my 20-year anniversary of graduating high school, so I'm still – I'm reliving oh 20 I'm, – I'm reliving 2004. I'm close to 30. A little bit more than I should be. Yeah. I don't know. That's my 30 years coming up. <laughs> I, well, I don't think they do reunions anymore. That's what Facebook's for. We I just saw somebody posting something like, hey, girls, are we doing something? And I'm kind of like, I, sure. I don't know. Like, what are we doing? I don't know. I don't, I don't care. But I loved high school. I'm like the weirdo who I had such a great time. So I I didn't dislike yeah. it. I'm just I'm also but I'm I don't know. I guess I'm not high school nostalgic. I just never mm. have been. Like I still talk to some people from high school yeah. sometimes, a couple from college, but I uh no, it's just not when someone says like if someone were to say to me high school reunion, I'm like eh. Yeah, I mean I showed up to our tenure in my uniform. <laughs> so yeah, I'm that person. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Hey guys, what's up?" Just acting like nothing passed, and everyone's like, "Oh, you're still like this?" Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but now I watch black and white movies, and I'll tell you about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. But no, I'm still envisioning brushing some eyebrows. That has not changed. Man, you got it bad. You got it bad for this man. I really did. It was kind of. It was yeah. It's okay. It was a problem. There's nothing wrong with celebrity crushes. <laughs> no, it, no. I, and it, it honestly it was all very, very innocent. But then, like, I had a similar thing with him that I had with Robert Downey Jr. I wrote a report in 2000 about, like, who do you admire? And this was right after, like, the Ally McBeal days of Robert Downey Ooh, Jr. Yeah. And I wrote a report on him. And my teacher was like, are you okay? This man has just gone through all this. Like, why do you look up to him? And I'm like, you don't know. You just don't get it. He's, He's gonna, something's gonna happen. When you really think about that yeah. dude's career, it's wild how much he's done. It's, it's insane. I forgot he was on Ally McBeal. Yeah, no, I mean, it's insane, but I, I had this, I don't know what it was, I don't know if it's like weird woo-woo intuition, but I was just like, no, 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 like something, something's, something's, something's happening. Now you and I talk kinda, about a third act, I, that yeah. dude, man. Yeah, but I felt the same way about Colin Farrell when he was going through all of his crap. I'm like, no, 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 like there's, there were certain movies that he was in that like just the way he would move or something that i'm like no 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 like he's not over like and he's not going to be making more miami vices and thank god he didn't no but uh, yeah i don't but know then I he just have, like, keep a weird... come out with like in bruges which is amazing oh my gosh that's i remember watching thing. that movie i'm like that's what that dude should do more well and that's another thing that i think my like i don't know whatever you want to call it crush whatever it morphed because I realized that there were so many Colin Farrell movies in my life around very pivotal moments in my life. So, like, the first time I ever told a guy that I loved him, I went, I did it, 
I vomited. And then I went with my friends and saw the movie in New World that Colin Farrell was in, which it's about it's about a lot of stuff, but unrequited love is part of it. So I don't suggest telling somebody that you love them and it doesn't go well and then seeing that movie because it was not good times. Did you not get it back? No, no, no. It was not good time. It, it was never oh. going to. It was never going to amount to anything. Like, and okay. I knew that. Um, so, yeah, don't go see that movie after you've had that situation. But then also, like, the first guy that I ever, like, had a relationship with, it all started by, like, quoting in Bruges. And I was just like, okay, this is happening. Um, and that was a whole thing. But then to make this into a very dark podcast, I was also in the movie, um, to see the movie Widows in the movie theater, when I found out that my father passed away, which ironically enough, we're filming this on my father's birthday. So oh. a little full circle moment. But yeah, in that movie, there's a whole sequence of Colin Farrell and Robert Duvall and their father and son, and they do not get along. And I'm sitting in this movie theater and my father and I didn't get along. So we're, I'm sitting in this movie theater, just like art, imitating life, imitating art. Then there's eyebrows. I don't know how to feel. So it's, yeah, I've had complicated feelings around that man, but I'm still rooting for him. <laughs> I am too. I yeah. like what I like. I really like what he's been doing the last few years. I think it's. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. I really do. I, I love seeing stuff like that. But yeah, there isn't a better man. Robert Downey Jr. can be like a. If anyone's ever down, just be like, it really can turn around. Yeah. That dude had been. I mean, obviously had pretty significant drug problems right. and addiction, and had been arrested. I don't know mm. ten times. Yeah. And that dude is arguably one of the most successful actors of all time. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I as far as it. I can tell, he's also one of the funniest fucking interviews I've ever seen in my life. He is so... He's oh genuinely personable. He is so... Yeah, he has like a charisma. And that, seeing him, it's always kind of... Um, I've questioned things of like, is an actor like an, you know, an artist or a showman? Or like, are you a little bit of both? Or are some just one and not the other? Because you have some of these actors who are like so dark. Like I'm thinking like maybe like... I don't know, John Malkovich or, you know, like someone like that. They're like just, Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. truly disappears yeah, in the Yeah, they're just like yeah. in it. And then like they don't really do interviews because they're like, no, I'm just here to do a job. But then you have other people like Robert Downey Jr. where he's like, he. I think he's an artist and a showman. But then you have other people who are just purely showmen and you know that they're just there for the fame and the glory and they just want their name in lights and like, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I mean, I think that like, I don't know, I've always been interested in that because learning how many actors or artists who are actually quite introverted but then when they're in the right space they appear to be extroverted kind of like me as a kid i like didn't want to talk to anyone but then put me on a stage and i was like in my glory it's just like a weird dichotomy that i don't know i've sat in a blank room and just kind of thought about for hours on end <laughs> like what does this mean and who are we and what you know i don't know no 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 it, the being comfortable being uncomfortable who yeah. knows mm -hmm. god well, all right, so what, what do you have coming up? Where can everybody find your stuff? What do you, what do you got coming out? Well, I'm working on my book, and so that's not going to be out for a while. Um, but I was lucky enough to go to a writing conference um, that was put on by Literary Cleveland, and I got some headway with it. So, um, yeah, probably like in a you know another year or so, we'll see with that. Um, I did have a script that recently got into a film festival over in Europe, um, and I'm going to be doing more of that, you know, just writing scripts and getting feedback and submitting. Um, and I am actually after this, I have to go and do a voiceover audition. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm busy ish. I mean, I would like to be more busy, but it's also, I suck at marketing myself and my full-time job is in marketing. So there's the irony. 
So yeah, I can't yeah. help you there. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, does somebody like I? I honestly thought of writing uh, or doing like a voiceover website, just being like, pay me to talk shit. I'm like, I don't think that that's good marketing. I don't think so. Oh no, <laughs> like, you should like like create like one of those cameos, like pay me. To wish you happy birthday or to break up with you, but in the most dramatic or fashionable way possible. Like, you could pick an accent. I actually really like that idea. I honestly... Cameo, you want to get dumped by, like, you know, an Irish hoodlum? I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I, for, I had a brief moment of thinking about starting an OnlyFans where I was just doing Shakespeare monologues. Because I'm like, I think some people would be into that. Like, I would be fully clothed. But like that that's it. Yeah, it was about ninety percent of the audience just left. But Yeah, but yeah, I mean hey, but, like somebody but that ten percent. <laughs> some weirdo will pay for it. Like I don't know. Like maybe oh, show um, like my big toe. Surely, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's a Who yeah, knows? There's a feet audience. Yeah. You could just show your feet while reading Shakespeare and then some I reason could someone's make into that. my toes into toe puppets doing Shakespeare. There we go. See, you just, I'm retiring. And there went your day job. Yep. You don't need it anymore. Nope, don't need it. Because you're toe Shakespeare. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, cool. I really appreciate you coming. This yeah, is a lot of so fun. Much. I, I, I appreciate you entertaining my, my very difficult ability to stay on topic and just bounce around from stuff to stuff. No, um, I'm just, the only thing I'm worried about is that there's going to be like random men who have large bushy eyebrows just randomly sending me messages. Well, which, but I mean, you know, hey, but hey, you, again, like if one I'm of not, these might be the one. You I'm clearly, not discouraging it. You clearly have an eyebrow thing. And I'm I think just, that that's fine. I mean, like, like I think Eugene Levy's hot. Like that's where we're going. Like, so, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, those are, those are yeah, Big the, Mac those eyebrows. Those are some big yeah, things. Those yeah. Are, so if you're going to send me eyebrow pics, like, you know, 40 or under, you know, 40 to 32. <laughs> the, just keep it in that. Keep it please, in that eyebrow please range. Please don't. Nobody send me anything, please. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this was great. Again, Thank I you. really appreciate you coming. Uh, this was really interesting to kind of, again, hear about all these things that, that we talked about today were stuff that I've, I've wanted to talk about, about with somebody that... You know, again, kind of the experiences, like, again, like the the strike, the representation, some of the feedback, the way some of it works, you know, your your process, how you got there, what you're doing and things like that. It's really, really cool. I, I really, I've always enjoyed hearing people's, different people's uh, point of view and the things that they're doing, especially things that I've never really explored or been able to explore. So this is a lot of fun and really interesting for me. Yeah, so I, I so very much. much appreciate it. So thank everybody, you. please make sure that you follow Michelle, send her all your eyebrow pics <laughs> and make sure that like really zone in on those. Like, like, yeah. like yeah. unkempt, preferably unbrushed because she wants to brush them. Yeah. So don't, don't clean exactly. them up. That's that's her thing. Like so. I want to see follicles. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right.